if most of the citizens pay their taxes, they don't like evasion, right? If most of the pe people are evading taxes, then you have also political, uh, a political problem. But I think there's a little bit less of political resistance to actually to improve the tax administration unit. Good day. Uh, I'm Jeff Chelsky, manager of the Economic Management and Country Programs Unit of the Independent Evaluation Group in the World Bank. And this is What Have We Learned? The Evaluation Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about one of everyone's favorite topics, tax, or more broadly, domestic revenue mobilization, or DRM. This has become an increasingly important part of international and country-level development policy agendas as developing economies face rising needs for development finance. In 2015, at the International Conference on Financing for Development in Addis Ababa, the World Bank was among the multilateral institutions that committed to step up its support for this critical source of financing, pledging to ramp up its engagement with client countries. In the years since, domestic revenue mobilization has figured prominently in successive IDA replenishments and World Bank capital package commitments. Domestic revenue mobilization has also become even more urgent since the start of the pandemic in the face of growing demands for spending on everything from health sector capacity building to climate change adaptation. DRM, in the period following the 2015 conference and leading up to the COVID pandemic, was the subject of a recent IEG evaluation. The evaluation confirmed that the World Bank had intensified its attention to domestic revenue mobilization, particularly since 2018, and especially in countries eligible for IDA, the World Bank's fund for the poorest countries. However, results have fallen short of expectations. There has been little to no increase in lending for tax administration capacity building in lower income countries, and tax reforms have sometimes proven hard to sustain. To discuss this topic, my guest is Arturo Herrera, Global Director for the Governance Global Practice at the World Bank. Arturo is a Mexican national and has held several leadership positions at the World Bank in the Latin America and Caribbean and East Asia Pacific regions. And between 2018 and 2021, Mr. Herrera served in the government of Mexico as co-head of the finance team for the presidential transition, deputy finance minister, and most recently as minister of finance and public credit. Welcome, Arturo. Hi, Jeff. Glad to be here. So let's start with a really a uh, general question. Uh, why are tax revenues so important to developing economies? So I would say there are three main reasons why this is so, so important. The first one is that uh, many of the relevant development tasks like health, education, uh, building uh, water dams, etc., require actually budget, and that requires uh, countries to, to raise taxes. So that's a very obvious uh, one. Then there's a second one, which is um, uh, the, tax, uh, the tax issues actually reflect, to a large extent, the social contract in a country. It reflects how much a country is willing to spend, let's say, on education, etc., and how much the citizens are willing to pay collectively for that. And the final reason is uh, it also reflects the extent of the trust in government, and this is really important. Uh, a government may have certain tax collection in mind, but if the citizens do not believe in the government, do not trust them, they may be reluctant to, to, to pay them. So, so, so tax has become uh, an interesting feature because it plays several roles as, 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 as a source of providing resources for the government, but also as signaling uh, the trust in the government and the direction of the commitments of the government. 
Thanks. Now, with that as a backdrop, can you talk a bit about the significance of the 2015 Conference on Financing for Development in Addis Ababa um, and you know, the nature of the commitments that the international community and the World Bank in particular made at that conference? So th there are a few really interesting results from the Addis Ababa meeting. For the first time, there's a minimum tax collection uh, below the one a state is probably not functional. And the level was set at, at 15% of GDP. Now, let's be clear, 15% of GDP is not the objective. That's the low bar, right? And, uh, 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 and the idea is that below that, a government will be basically incapable of providing the basic services, uh, uh, minimum education, minimum health, security. Now, the average tax to GDP ratio, um, we mentioned 15% is sort of a minimum um, but for low- and middle-income countries, that tax-to-GDP ratio has been on a declining trend over the decade prior to the COVID pandemic. What do you consider were the major factors driving this negative trend? I mean, this is, in effect, the exact opposite of what we would have hoped would have happened. Uh, why did the commitments in Addis Ababa in 2015 not change the trajectory for developing economies? First of all, it's, it's such a short period now from Addis Ababa to now, right? Particularly if we consider that we have COVID right in the middle uh, of it. COVID was, uh, was really uh, uh, a huge shock, and many countries responded by actually providing tax breaks. Uh, to citizens and to businesses. So, so just imagine a restaurant that is closing because uh, 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 isolation uh, measures, then the government responds by giving a tax break on, 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 on the income tax. So that is expected that uh, the collection will be, will be lower. The second thing is that um, uh, tax is a complex issue, and there are two basic components that we actually recognize at the bank. One is the tax policy, which is actually managed by my colleagues and at the MTI group, the, the macro group. And that, if it's allowed, it has the, the largest impact immediate, right? So let's assume you have a, ta a country which have a value-added tax rate of 10%. Or if you, you move it to 13%, which just require an approval in Congress, it may be complicated, immediately tax. But things that are about more the institutional aspects, about getting better at collecting taxes, which is a little bit what we do uh, on governance, the tax administration side, that takes time. You need to build, you need to build uh, uh, the capacity, uh, uh, and you, you need to train people, you need to audit uh, firms uh, to do that. Now, in IEG's recent evaluation on uh, World Bank support for domestic revenue mobilization, uh, IEG noted that the World Bank intensified its support to developing economies for domestic revenue mobilization, especially after 2018, with the establishment of the Global Tax Program, a large multi-donor trust fund. Uh, what do you consider to have been the bank's major accomplishments on the tax front, um, and what challenges still need to be tackled? There are several issues which are relevant. One which is very interesting on the analytical side is recognizing that uh, there are ways to make comparisons across countries in a, ch a cheaper and simpler way. So uh, I guess last year we, we launched a tax administration index, which basically using uh, third-party sources allows us to uh, identify the level of development of a tax uh, uh, administration. And that serves as a map, a roadmap for reform on tax administration. Uh, we are about to launch a tax administration 
uh, uh, handbook, which, is, which we expect is, will be some sort of a kind of a Bible, the kind of book that you expect uh, to have tax administration will have uh, behind their, 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 their desk. Now, uh, that, that's one, uh, one of the things that we have been doing on the analytical side, but we also have been working very, very strongly on a specific uh, country projects, and those tend to take time. Sometimes it depends on the problem. It's about reholding the whole system, uh, reorganizing the administration, putting together the customs with the, with the, with the, with the internal revenue uh, administrations. Now, as you said, during COVID, there was uh, a lot of, of change, uh, change in tax policies, uh, tax exemptions. Um, coming out of COVID, uh, what is the World Bank's strategy to support the mobilization of tax revenue in developing economies? First of all, the world after COVID is different than the world before COVID. Uh, the way I used to put it is that it's not an impasse. It's not that you have a, a, this shock in 2020 and then you go back to 2019. Financing the fight against a, a, a pandemic requires building hospitals, buying vaccines, hiring doctors, hiring nurses. So there's a, there's, there's a clear understanding now that the states require more resources than before uh, the pandemic. And that's on top of that, it's a DEVA agreement. There are certain agreements at the global agenda, and the World Bank has been a key player about that, that are, are, are demanding different resources from the countries. For example, there's an agreement that uh, we have to take tackle climate change, right? And tackling climate, climate change in a serious way requires resources, budget, and that requires obvious uh, revenues and taxation. There's an agreement that there has to be uh, one of the lessons from, from COVID is that we have to prepare for, for, for a pandemic. And that's going to require uh, uh, resources. Each of these things require more resources. So what we see is, is countries that are much more willing to engage seriously. Now, there's another aspect, which is more a macro aspect, if you think about the, the macro shock from the pandemic. So what you have during the pandemic is a re reduction in the economic activity, and at the same time, an increase on the expenses of a government. So that means that debt over GDP ratio was increased. So you have these needs, and you have a, a much more uh, complicated uh, debt situation. So all of them are calling from, for, for, for more uh, resources on, 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 a constant, on a constant basis. You're singing my favorite tune. As you know, IEG has done several evaluations in the debt space, but don't worry, I won't raise any of those issues here. Now, IEG's evaluation pointed out that in several countries, tax reforms, uh, particularly those supported by the World Bank and with respect to tax exemptions in particular, um, were frequently reversed um, and often proved very hard to sustain because of vested interests that would come in after the fact and push for them. Um, is this consistent with your experience? Is this a problem that the bank should be aware of? And is this something that we can do something about to ensure that tax reforms are more sustainable? No, there are several things that we could do about it, right? And we always learn from the pro projects. And it's not bad that these things have happened. It's bad if we don't learn from from them, and that's the role of IE on helping us to point them out. So, and I, I would say there are three things that we could do. Uh, the first one is to really try to, to, to have a better assessment about the wide support for these kind of reforms, right? 
And this is an area in which there are multiple stakeholders. It's obviously the ministries of finance which want to collect more, but then there are also the politicians, right? If you are close to an election, the appetite to have some of these measures is different than they, if they are not uh, close to the election. And then you mentioned the issue related to vested interests, to try to find out how, how power are, 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 are people who don't want to pay taxes in, in, in a policy. And we need to be aware and to be sure about the commitment that the country overall has to do that, right? That's one thing. The second thing is uh, particularly to some of our uh, our uh, policy lending uh, projects, uh, we need to probably fine-tune it in, that, in the sense that uh, pick up things that are much more difficult to reverse. For example, things that are approved through a de decree are legally easier than re to reverse than things that are approved at a, a low level or a, cost a constitutional uh, uh, level, right? And finally, and this is something which is much more closer to what we do, is... Um, and this is something really, really interesting. Uh, some of the larger bodies of government are the ones related to tax administration. For example, just, just, just before this meeting, I checked how many people used to work in the, in the IRS in the US. It was close to 120,000 people. In my own country, and I led that group, they were close to 35,000 people. And several years ago, uh, the head of the tax administration of China was visiting the bank, and as you may imagine, everything is big in China. There were 800,000 people work on it. So once some of these reforms are uh, incorporated institutionally, they become very difficult to reverse because then that, that the institution, the people who work on the tax collection, uh, make them their own. They, they they start procedures and process to to collect it, right? But we need to allow that time for the bureaucracy to, 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 so that the, the reforms play out and they, they become part of their, their daily life. Your point about pursuing um, mechanisms that are more difficult to reverse is similar to the, the, the finding of the IEG evaluation, which noted that simply limiting tax exemptions, um, that's very easy to reverse, but uh, changing the framework for putting them in place in the first place, more transparency, um, um, more legislative oversight was one of the ways that, that, that the bank could have impact. Um, if, if I may, oh, because yes. you mentioned yeah, that, yeah. that, that's very interesting because um, there's this really famous economist that we actually we invited uh, a few months ago here to present his latest book. Uh, Alan Blinder is a professor of uh, economics at Princeton, and he was, uh, uh, I guess he was a chief uh, 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 of the Council of Economic Advisors of President Clinton, and then he was the... Uh, a vice chairman at the Fed. Uh, he has a book about economic policy, and during the Clinton days, for political reasons, but it ended up being a, a measure really interesting, they introduced something that is called a fiscal balance rule at the margin. What does that mean? That means that, yes, you have a deficit, but if at some point someone wants an extra expenditure, they have to have an extra revenue. And to put it in the opposite way, if at some point someone wants to have an exemption, they have to either add a revenue or reduce the expenditure, right? And a mechanism like that, it makes first that these decisions are thinking more thoroughly, but also make the government aware that they are difficult, not easy decisions today. Yeah. So ultimately, it comes down to governance frameworks uh, yeah. to begin with. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what works in helping developing economies raise tax revenue. 
much of the support to DRM in lower income countries has been delivered through budget support operations, uh, policy-based lending. Um, I think at the bank they call them development policy operations. Could you speak to the value of this tool as a vehicle for supporting domestic revenue mobilization? No, I think that, that, that that's a really important tool. And it's important in the sense that it's uh, changed the, the structure of the tax code, right? Now, something that we have becoming aware, and this is where we have to be careful about how we, we choose uh, uh, the instrument of engagement, is to have clear what is the problem. If the problem, I, I'll remember, for example, uh, around 13 years ago, when we were trying to work with a Peruvian tax administration authority, at that time, the, 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 the system, the, the, the digital system, the IT system, was so complicated that it had 300 several subsystems, and they were telling us that each day they were just trying to make sure that it will survive one more day, right? So clearly the problem for Peru at the time, I don't know what, what is the status right now, it was try to work hard on, uh, on that. And ideally, what would have been the best engagement for the bank to have some sort of a, 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 a system modernization project. So, so all these tools have proven to be good, uh, but my preference is to tailor the tool to the specific project or challenge that the government uh, has. Interesting, because the, the evaluation found that um, in th since um, Addis Ababa, there had actually been a shift to using uh, budget support operations to push um, for uh, domestic revenue mobilization um, and less attention on the investment project side. Um, now, um, another of the findings of the IG evaluation was that there had been little increase in bank support to build tax administration capacity in low-income countries. Th this seems surprising. Uh, given the commitments in Addis, I would have expected an intensification of efforts, particularly given that many low-income countries have tax-to-GDP ratios below 15%. Why have, not, why have we not seen more activity or attention to um, this sort of bank support in low-income countries? So, so the question is what we could do better in that. And I think that one of the things that is going to be really helpful is this new tax administration index. These things have proven really successful in the past. A, tra a tax administration index, it doesn't help any reform, right? It's, not, it's just telling, it's just an... Uh, uh, and a, a picture of, of, of where you are right now. But, uh, but it triggers a very interesting behavior among countries. They immediately start looking through their peers and see how they look in the picture, right? So, so if, if a sub-Saharan country has a, a, a certain index, they are not going to look to where is Denmark or where is the UK, right? But they are going to look to where is their neighbor. And in the, if they realize that they are in a better shape than them, they immediately reach out for, for, for support. So that's one of the things that is probably going to be, be helpful. I can see how the tax index, uh, tax administration index you're talking about might help generate demand. Uh, but is, is this an issue that, that many of the countries themselves don't demand the capacity building support for tax administration? Uh, actually, actually, my sense is that it's twofold. On the one hand, uh, because because w w we are in a privileged position, right? We see how many tax administration units perform across the world. But if you put yourself in the shoes of someone in, in a country, they only have one experience, their own, right? 
and 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 for sure they know better than us how their 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 tax uh, department works. So for them, it's very difficult to imagine how to do things better because they are the expert, right? So it requires a little bit of convincing. Having said so, I think that's easier uh, because it's, 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 it's less politically tricky than, for example, changing rates, right? Twice, twice in my career, I have bosses which say, I'm not going to increase taxes, but go ahead and collect the ones that are, are, have been authorized, right? Uh, because once you increase taxes, people immediately complain. On the other hand, if you go and collect the taxes that are are basically already authorized, it's basically clamping out on evasors. And people don't like evasors. If, if most of the of the citizens pay their taxes, they don't like evasors, right? If most of the people are evading taxes, then you have also political uh, a political problem. But I think there's a little bit less of political resistance to actually to improve the tax administration units. Now, it takes time. So really, you need to invest it. It's not going to have immediate uh, effects. So that, so everybody involved on, on, on a reform of this, I need to be aware about that. Okay, I, lo- I love that answer. Now, at the same time as the bank is being asked to support increased domestic revenue mobilization, uh, it's being asked to support more progressive tax mm-hmm. systems. Uh, IEG has argued that progressivity should be assessed at the level of the overall fiscal system, allowing targeted spending um, to offset the impact of taxes. Uh, How do you view the bank's mandate to promote progressive tax systems, and how is this best accomplished? I think there has been a lot of progress over the last few years, and really the last few years only, about understanding how these things have to be evaluated by uh, by the overall fiscal impact. I'm going to give you two, two examples. Typically, value-added taxes are taxes that uh, have, um, uh, that because there are, there are uh, um, some inelasticity on that, let's say, the demand of food or certain kind of things, are supposed to be regressive, right? But it's not, it's not the point if the tax is, is regressive by itself. If you collect $100 million on, 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 a, on value-added tax and you devote it uh, to finance a primary education in the poorest uh, zone of a country, that overall thing is progressive, right? At the same time, it, it, was, uh, it was also something that was evaluated uh, by the Obama administration uh, when they were raising the excess taxes, right? So they were basically raising the tax on cigarettes on the smoke, right? And people say, okay, people are addicted, so they are not going to reduce it. You are basically taxing the poor more than the taxing the rich. But they were able to, to, to calculate actually how the reduction on, on the consumption of the taxes was actually saving on the long term uh, expenditures which were health-related, right? So that's the way that in which these policies need to be, to be, to be analyzed. It's not the immediate impact what is the most relevant, but is the overall impact, either through time or either through the expenses at the, uh, during, during a fiscal year. Yeah. In, indeed, IEG I, I, found that perhaps one of the best examples of, of World Bank impact has been in the area of, of, of tobacco taxes and the tobacco control program where there's uh, a partnership right across the bank and I believe with the WHO, um, and that has been particularly impactful. Um, last question. Um, where do you see the greatest potential for the bank to increase its impact in supporting developing economies uh, to raise their own tax revenue? So first of all, I would say it's in the, in the environment, right? 
And as I said, uh, I already referred to one of the things that changed after COVID. And this is this idea that governments require to do more things and they cannot, one very close to the bank mandate now is climate change, and then they cannot do more things with the same resources. But there's, <clears throat> but there's another aspect. One thing that was approved two years ago was the global, global minimum tax. So and what was happening here is that um, the economy has been changing over the last decades, and the tax codes were th uh, designed with tangible goods in mind, right? So imagine you going uh, to watch a film, right? Uh, You're going to buy a, a, a ticket there. Uh, the company who owns that theater is going to have to pay taxes. But imagine now you watching the same film on a platform. Uh, so where is that transaction happening? Let's, uh, it's easier to think if someone is watching that film in Mexico, right? And think about Netflix. Where is that transaction happening? It's happening in California, where Netflix headquarters are. It's happening where the servers are, which probably are somewhere in Panama, or it's happening in Mexico. And that was creating a very difficult process of taxation digital goods, right? So one of the things that was approved was to have this uh, global minimum tax. And that, but that's a technical complex aspect. And the bank could help countries to implement this, right? So, th so the table is set up for that, right? The environment, because it requires more, more resources, but also because there are additional things like the global minimum tax are naturally going to request uh, uh, requests from the country's uh, support, and we should be ready to help them. So. I want to thank you. This has been hugely informative for me, um, and I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to, uh, to talk to us. I'm Jeff Chelsky. Uh, this is Arturo Harara, my guest, and uh, this has been IEG's Evaluation Podcast, What Have We Learned? Thank you very much. Have a great day. Thank you.